You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia. Here to talk about Miami Hurricanes football. We're going to review the Florida State 27-20 loss after watching the game again. We're going to get into some quarterback talk as well uh, with Miami uh, announcing, Mario Cristobal announcing the decision to go back to Tyler Van Dyke as the starter. And then we're going to answer some questions here from the message board. Uh, wanted to, you know, ask the board for some interesting topics, and uh, we'll, we'll get into a handful of those questions here at the end of the podcast. But Gabby, um, you know, it was just easier. I was up there at Florida State, um, and it was just easier to record the instant reaction podcast on my phone rather than uh, have to deal with hotel Wi-Fi. Zoom call, potential issues, et cetera, et cetera. So I just knocked that out by myself. But you definitely watch the game. I'm sure you have some takes, et cetera. And so I want to give you the floor first, wherever you want to take this. Again, this review of a game after a rewatch thing is pretty casual. But uh, the floor is yours first. And just whatever you want to touch on, let's let's get into it. Yeah, I, I think just in general, um, you know, I, I honestly didn't, just going into the game, like I really, I was not optimistic, like at all. Like I wasn't really sure what this was going to look like from from Miami's side and how they were going to kind of compete in this thing. And I think when we talked on the preview podcast and just really nailed just me, it, yeah, I think the way that I think the the way that this game needed to go for Miami to have a chance to win the game, I think it went that way, right? Like yeah. they made it a they made it a muddy game. They dictated they pre- the game. They did for uh, for a long time. Uh, you know, the defense was I, I think that was a a winning level performance in a game like this. Like, I think that Lance Gidry again, I think that was just another Lance Gidry flex of just like he is a like total stud of a defensive coordinator. Um, I think the defense played awesome. But just in general, uh, you know, I fa- I think that the flow of the game like 
perfectly played into giving again it, it's not even like they had to play this way to win the game it was like to give themselves a chance to win the game and they did give right. themselves a chance to win the game and uh so i thought that the game like whatever the plan was i like and i think that there's obviously multiple sides to this because i know people are upset like maybe about the offensive play calling or how that went but i think just generally like this was kind of the path like this was the way the game kind of had to go and obviously you wish wish you can look at the, some execution things and you can nitpick and things like that. But I just, I was happy that the, I was, I was encouraged that they were able to, yeah, that it was competitive and Miami was able to make it that type of game to actually make it that type of game. So um, yeah, you know, obviously disappointed by the result and, you know, things could go diff- a bunch of different ways, but considering the circumstances and look, that's an older a veteran-led FSU team, uh, Miami, leaned on a ton of young guys, which was, you know, really encouraging. I mean, Jadis Richard is a, is, is a sophomore cornerback. Damari Brown's a true freshman cornerback. I think they did a great job of handling, you know, Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson, considering what they've been and what they kind of are, at, you know, just in the landscape of college football, of limiting that. I think they did a great job with the counter. Obviously, I think they got busted on it once. I think right. the I think there could have been better tackling on that play. Like, you know, I think a couple things they could have fitted up a little bit better. They didn't. Trey Benson beat it. But I think overall, I think they did a good job establishing early that they that counter wasn't gonna be what it was a year ago and just kind of stopping it. So overall, just like especially just like year over year, right? Like you want to see those year year over year improvements at this point, just considering the fact that Miami at going into the game was a three loss team, six win. Uh, you know, what how's this game flow gonna go? Like I I, I think I'm looking at just that year over year improvement and i think i feel encouraged about just the general direction of where you know the the roster is going how competitive they're willing to be in these games late in the season where already things haven't gone super well for them uh, or exactly as planned uh so there's a lot that i can kind of just but i i again yeah. i didn't i didn't get my instant reaction takes off so i think these were just yeah. some of my just general takes uh from the game and yeah you know like again you, you play to win the game they didn't win the game and right. you know that's ultimately all that matters but i think as you're building this program up uh this was an encouraging four quarter competitive game against a college football playoff contender and uh you know we can get into the nitty gritty of it if you want that's, david but that's yeah. just my like big picture takes so you touched on um you know there's there's a lot of of critique out there and and I'm here for it, uh, but I think it I think it'd be explained. Um, but let's get into the critique of the play calling slash the quarterback performance. Um, do you have a critique? Like I think it's fair to want to see a more wide open offense, right? Yeah. That I think that is fair to want to see, but is it practical to do that? You know, look, when I go back and watch that game, um, obviously, again, and, and we kind of hinted that this was coming in our preview stuff, they were going to protect Emory again. It was going to look similar-ish to Clemson, you know, that game that Emory started against Clemson. Now, I do think, look, I mean, they they opened it up more against Florida State than they did against Clemson. I mean, first, first uh, play of the game was a deep shot to Colby Young on a post, even though Colby was double covered, still threw it, right? So that kind of set the tone of like, look, we're going to still take our shots. But when I go back and watch the game, I mean, look, and and I'm trying to say this in the best way. Look, on the front end, let me say, yes, starting a true freshman at Florida State is a big, big, big ask. That is a tough spot for that true freshman quarterback. So that's number one. Number two, 
I think Emery Williams definitely has a lot of moxie to him. I think he has a lot of toughness to him. I think he has definite leadership qualities, and it's clear that the team likes him and rallies around him. I think all that is fair. But if we're talking about performance slash execution slash production, you know, look, we're just judging a starting quarterback that, you know, he happens to be a true freshman. It wasn't good enough. It was a below average performance. You know, as you watch that game, he's missing too many routine throws over the middle. Now, there was some drops as well, you know, by Xavier Restrepo in particular. That was frustrating to see. Uh, he did get away with a pick, I feel like, late in the game. You know, he was scrambling to his right and threw just a bad ball. I think he also got away with a pick where he was kind of getting uh, pressured and he just kind of like lofted a ball way up in the air downfield. And luckily there was no one around that ball, but it was just like asking to be picked. And just in general, I am not, I am not all, I'm encouraged by those traits I mentioned earlier, but if we're talking physical traits and talent, I don't necessarily see it if I'm going to be honest. Now, I think he competed hard. He did enough to keep Miami in the game and look, Priority number one, as we said in the preview, was protect the football. And while, you know, there was a couple times where maybe he got lucky or, or the ball just found the ground instead of a, a defender, um, he did over, he didn't throw an interception. So that was priority number one. And, and to me, Gabby, like, look, there was a lot of, again, it's nitpicking, right? But that's what we, that's what you do to that position for better or worse. And one of the one of the routine throws that frustrated me most in the watchback was right before halftime, right? When Miami's driving the ball, uh Don Chaney um hits a explosive run and uh or is it Mark Fletcher? I forget. One of those guys hits an explosive I think it was Chaney before the half. So Chaney hits an explosive run, yeah. And look, even on that run, honestly, he kind of had a one-on-one with Akeem Dent in the open field. And look, I mean, Akeem Dent did enough to slow him down, and Patrick Payton tackled him from behind. You know, good effort from a defensive end. Um, And look, Don Chaney, relative to his talent level, played really well against Florida State. I think that is fair to say. But I, I do wonder, like, look, if that running back is Trey Benson, is that a touchdown? I think that's a fair question to ask just in terms of talent level and, and where things need to be moving forward. Um, so anyways, that play got Miami down to the 13, I think. And then the next play, I believe, Miami puts Brashard Smith in the backfield and Brashard runs a little scissor route. And on that, that the the play is open. Emery throws it to Brashard. It is behind Brashard. Brashard catches it and is down at the four. If Emery puts that ball placement where it needs to be on a fairly routine throw, again, it's not a long throw. It's a fairly short throw to the middle of the field. Um, I think that plays a touchdown. So it's just those little things. And then look, 
you know, just in general, I don't know if his ball placement is quite where it needs to be. I will say the Jacoby fade touchdown, a thing of beauty by yeah, both nice. Emery and Jacoby. And look, he gave Jacoby a chance to go make a play on that 85-yard touchdown pass in the fourth quarter that made things tight. I personally put that more on Jacoby just making a crazy good play with stacking the corner and the safety, the FSU safety just kind of short-circuiting in coverage. Uh, but still, Emery gave Jacoby a chance to go make that play. Um, but just in general, like I think you saw how in the second half, right, FSU said, we're going to stack the box. You're gashing us a little bit, not a little bit, a lot in the run game. We're going to stack the box, and we're going to make your quarterback beat us. And when it was third and longs, it was kind of game over. Uh, they couldn't really threaten at all, honestly. And and you could also see the mobility issues there um, when FSU was blitzing and it just broke down a little too easy. Um, so anyways, 8 of 23 for 175, two touchdowns. You know, I just have... I think it was a fine, I mean, he kept him in the game, but like, again, and I said this after Clemson, for me, like, I still don't know what to think of Emery. I'm not convinced, I guess, Emery is the guy moving forward in the future, whenever that is. I still need to see more, but he does have some intangibles to him that I think is intriguing. Yeah, and, and I think to that point, we I think we saw a lot of characteristics that are valuable, right? Like the yeah, I think I think he I think early in that game, he you know, he fights for a first down, kind of drops that shoulder, yes. get, picks big like that's the type of stuff that like like you're winning over your the guys on your sideline by making plays like that. Like those are the yes. types of plays that and you that wish he, Tyler would show some of that. Some of right? that, yeah, for sure. Like that's definitely something Tyler doesn't really have. And Emery does have a little bit more of that. You know, I think he definitely has some juice. Um, I think he he definitely displayed some of that toughness, um, that kind of willingness to kind of put it all on the line. But yeah, I think it's also fair to say there's clearly some talent like, you matters know, too. Yeah, there's there's definitely saying? a ta- there, there's definitely a, a a drop off where it's just like how how much better is he going to get? And obviously he's still young, and there's obviously a lot of time to kind of figure that out. But I do think that there's just some things where you could where it's I think it's fair to question like okay how much how much more is left you know, developmentally, like how much better can he realistically get? Um, and, you know, again, I, I think he did a good job of protecting the football, you know, to his credit. Uh, I think he did an okay job of just kind of, or I mean, a pretty, I would say a pretty good job of just giving guys an opportunity to make a play. Sometimes those throws were kind of a little dangerous. Like that first one, he kind of threw the deep post. I think he threw a ball to Colby Young on the outside. That it was kind of like some hand fighting, maybe some tugging on Azaria Thomas and maybe yeah. Colby Young pushed off That's a little. A no like, call. You know, yeah, it was fair no call, but you know he get, he threw it up to Colby Young, you know, one man right. coverage, gave him an opportunity, you know, kind of dead play. So like that stuff. Obviously, Jacoby George makes that just kind of like ridiculous circuits play in the fourth quarter that led to that long touchdown. But then it's like the situations where I think it was like third and so I think it was third and relatively short. I remember it was like three or four, but then like misses Xavier Estrepo like on a slant, like you know, kind of wide open right. in the middle of the field, just throws it behind him, and it's just like man, like. Those layups have. There to was be a little layups. too many of those. Honestly, yeah, I mean the like, I, the one that he kind of throws it right at the at the referee, and it's just like, you know, right. those types of things. And I don't know like, if that even would have been completed. I don't know. It looked like it probably would have been short, but still, right. like. 
like that's a ball that you kind of need to you got to fit that in the right place you got to put a little bit more juice on it but that's another thing it's just like how much of that does he have in certain some of those situations and i do feel like just kind of when he throws he kind of has like a funky kind of throwing motion oh, yeah. where it almost looks like he's like almost he's like kicking his it a little back bit. leg up too yeah it's weird I yeah don't i don't know it, it looks it looks a little bit like there's definitely some mechanical things some just overall natural arm talent i'm not sure if he has a ton of that but i mean i walked out of that just kind of feeling like you know again he 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 gave like he controlled the football uh you know he guys made plays thinking thankfully we got a really good jacoby george game and that was like an extraordinary yeah. performance let's talk about that yeah let's talk we, about we, that. we definitely should i feel like i feel like and look i've been pretty critical of Jacoby George because and the reason is look I I don't think I've ever I mean I think I've maintained that the guy is talented Jacoby is a talented player but I I struggle in general with players that are sleepy in terms of like effort or focus at times and so Jacoby is that type of guy to me I will say this though in that Florida State game I think he showed his teeth if that makes sense that whole game he was locked in. He was focused. He competed at a very high level the entire game. And he showed what that can equal, um, you know, when combined with his talent level. So I am hoping that this is kind of like a launching off point for the next step in his career because it was very encouraging to me to see him compete. Like there was plays where you know, the ball wasn't coming to him and he's getting in the FSU DB's face and, you know, just kind of letting the FSU DB know, like, this is going to be all game. Like we're, we're going at it all game. And I'd never seen that from Jacoby George, that level of competition. I will say this too, after the game, the game was over and the guys are walking off the field. Jacoby was one of the guys that was noticeably angry and upset with the result. I mean, he left it all on the field and I liked that too. So it was, I, I, I was very encouraged by that performance. That was a dog performance. And I'm just hoping that this is now look, not 150 yards per game, of course, but that effort, that focus is now the norm for Jacoby moving forward because he was a playmaker in that game. Uh, I did not see that coming to that level. And it was highly encouraging to me. Yeah. And I think I said it, I've, and I've said it before, just when talking about like the receivers, it's just like, who, who's just going to make a play, right? Like, like who are the guys that are just going right. to make something happen? And I think, you know, I, I think you going to say, give me the ball. Right. And that was a give me the ball performance. Definitely. You know? And it, it, I mean, that was big time. And, you know, I know Mario Cristobal kind of, he highlighted that play, David. I think, I believe it was a question you asked him and just like, basically everything it took for Jacoby George to kind of make that play and then, you know, kind of take off and, and score, you know, what is it? I think it was 85 yards. And uh, I think again, like I just kind of go back to just watching the sport. You see guys in on some of these big time programs that just make plays. And it's like, you need someone that's just going to go do it. Like, you know, no one's going to give it to you. Just go make a play. And I think we saw that from Jacoby. And we first big play was massive too, situationally. And it was also a heck of a play. Like he made the first tackle miss. Yep. 
picked up another, I don't know, 30 yards, made another yeah. guy miss. I mean, it was big time stuff. And even that third and long where they kind of got stuck on a third and long early in the game that they, I think it was third and 26 or maybe it was second and 26. Yeah, batted, and, batted down. Are you yeah, talking well, about that I'm one? talking about even the screen. Like they threw him a little screen. Yes, and like, you know, yes. he was able to make that, you know, again, he, he was able to convert a long, you know, Miami was way, way behind the sticks and he was able to convert a long screen. And yeah, but he had that, he had the, he had the, he had another one too. Like this was, I mean, he this was eating of, up that man coverage and he, he is that guy. Was. Like he yeah. is that guy. So. Yeah. And Miami needed, I think someone to step up like that. And Jacoby George, like that was a, that, that was a big, big time performance by him. Uh, yeah. You know, just in, in in a ton of different ways. And hopefully, uh, you know, I, I hope that that leads to, I hope that injected some like real confidence to him. And I, th- I I just hope that 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 kind of carries over because uh, if he can be you know that type that level of wide receiver consistently like he can be you know as, as he could be a really really good college wide receiver and potentially give himself a chance. Um, but obviously you need to stack some of those performances and and be consistent. How about the run game? Um, you know we talked about Don Chaney again. He played well. I'm just I'm a little frustrated that man some of those explosives d- didn't end in six. Um, but he did play well. Mark Fletcher, I think, was solid. There was one frustrating run by him. It might have been the first play of the second half. So coming off that onside kick attempt, he had, you know, he creased it and he was again one on one with a keen dent. And there was open, open uh field to his left. And there was a kind of a backside-ish pursuit defender to his right. And instead of going left, Mark Fletcher cut right to make a keen dent miss in space. And that put him, you know, in an easy tackling position for that pursuit defender on the backside. I think if Fletcher just straight up, like, honestly, I don't even think Fletcher needed to you know, put a move on Akeem Dent in the open field. I think if he just straight up starts running full speed to his left, I think he picks up another 10 to 15 yards at least um, on that play. Maybe even houses it if he makes Akeem Dent miss in that area of the field. So that was frustrating to watch. But look, in general, you know, I think Miami ran the ball well enough against a tough Florida State defense. They were gashing them early. Florida in the first half, Florida State put numbers in the box and had some timely blitzes too in the second half that did work. And uh that's when things kind of got shut down there in the run game. Yeah, I think it, I think it was obvious just clear in that second half. It definitely, you know, Florida State did a good job of of tightening that up and making it hard. And I think that's when things you know, kind of just became harder for the Miami offense in general, because I think like they were leaning on the run game a lot. And I think when they kind of lost it or they lost that edge or just as just lost the production that they were kind of getting in that first half, I think it just kind of made it uh, a little bit tougher. Um, But yeah, you know, I, again, I think it was a good Don Chaney game. Obviously, you know, he, he broke open a few big runs. Mark Fletcher did too. Uh, You know, again, I think that you still see that, Kind of like to kind of to like to the point that you're kind of talking to earlier. I still think that there's just a little bit. Yeah, you're still missing that home run threat. I still think you're missing that just like, you know, game breaker type. Like, I I think Mark Fletcher is really, really good. And I think he has an extremely bright future. 
but I still think that we're wait. I think still think Miami's in the process of finding that guy, like that, like running back, like clear cut running back one type of dude. Like I, I don't know if that guy's in the room yet. Maybe it can be Mark Fletcher in the future. Obviously, he's still a young guy, and it is. I mean, he he's did good. get here in the summer. Yeah, for sure, for sure. He's just but not a home run guy. He's not, and that's fine. And Which there's is fine. nothing. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Um, but I still think that there is value in, you know, going in. Maybe it's a guy they that they're recruiting in that room. Yeah, they the need point. they definitely do. And um, I think you see in a guy like Trey Benson, how much of a difference maker that home run hitter kind of makes. Right. Because it takes one or two plays, uh, you know, because he was really close to making, you know, obviously he stepped out of bounds. He but did. like Maui that Noah was... got him on a shoestring. Yeah, that would have been a huge gain. Yeah, we know got him, though. But... Yeah. And on the and... touchdown, he didn't get touched. Yeah, yeah, just know what. Yeah, exactly. And um, so, you know, I, I just I, I still think that the room's missing that. But I think still overall, it was an encouraging performance from the running back. room. Yes, yes. And the O-line, you know, look, I think there was some breakdowns. But look, that's going to happen when you play talented fronts. Uh, I think overall, though, the offensive line played well. Attention, business owners. Have you filed for the employee retention credit? Do the latest IRS releases have you concerned about your filing? Are you seeking clarity on your employee retention tax credit filing? If you've done your employee retention tax credit filing to a third party and have reservations about its accuracy, turn to the experts at Muserino Furdock PLLC. Their team of experienced tax professionals will conduct a, a, a meticulous assessment of your filing ensuring it adheres to all relevant regulations and guidelines. Their rigorous evaluation process will leave no stone unturned, providing you with a comprehensive analysis of your employee retention tax credit submission. There's no hidden fees. They're here to help business owners who may have fallen victim to a third-party scheme. Seek certainty in a complex landscape. Call Musarino Furdock, PLLC, at 561 561- Four three seven zero four one four, or visit muserinofurdock dot com. That's M U C E R I N O F U R D O C K dot com. The holiday season is upon us, and Midway Sports is here to take care of all of your sporting good needs. Check out their wide range of selections for all your golf, pickleball, football, basketball, and baseball needs with a variety of -of top-of-the-line necessities and accessories to help you look and perform your best on the field of play. All of that located just a mile south of the University of Miami campus. Midway Sports is also there for all of your team uniform needs, whether that be your kids' Little League team or your adult softball team. Tell them Gabby Rudia with Through the Smoke sent you, and they will take 30% off the price of of the cost of your uniform order. Okay, defense. Anything on defense stand out to you? I think to me the the main the talking point to start with is how Damari Brown and Jadis Richards stepped up yeah. to, to the plate against a tough matchup. Whether it's Johnny Wilson or Keon Coleman, they both guarded each one of those guys at different points in the game. And honestly, I think both guys performed at a high level. Um, Keon Coleman, four for 24, one touchdown. I think you would take that all day long. Yep. And Johnny Wilson, you know, look, he did his thing, five for 82, but really didn't, didn't like explode on you like he can with some physical catches and then shake off a defender and pick up yards after the catch. So 
you know, look, I think you can nitpick some technique at times, et cetera, et cetera. But overall, I was, I was impressed with how those guys held their own against those talented wide receivers. And I was impressed too, by the way, Miami's defense in general kind of kept for the most part. Now he's going to get loose at times, but kept Jordan Travis in the pocket, forcing him to beat you from the pocket. And look, he did, he did a fine job. Um, But for the most part, he didn't have any of those backbreaking scrambles, you know, those scramble drill throws that Florida state can kill you on. Yeah. I mean, I I think just going back to Damari and Jadis, both of those guys I thought performed at, you know, what more can you ask from a young cornerback, young cornerbacks kind of in a really, really tough matchup. I mean, you can make the argument that Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson are as good of a one, two punch at yeah. wide receiver as, you know, I, I think probably you could obviously Ohio state. I mean, you got Washington, you got some guys, but those two are as, as good as it gets kind of in college football right now, as far as what they've been doing all season. And I think both those guys performed well. And th- these, these are two young guys who are Damari Brown, again, another summer enrollee. So uh, Jadis Richard, again, just, just a sophomore, uh, I, I think considering everything. And Damari Brown had some really good coverage. Like Jordan Travis targeted Damari Brown, uh, Damari Brown covering Keon Coleman, kind of tried to like back shoulder it. And Damari Brown, like, you know, again, maybe there was some some hand fighting, whatever the case is. It was a little but you know, I think it was a fair no call. And I yeah. thought it was really good coverage by Damari Brown to break up a basically basically a jump ball from Jordan Travis to Keon Coleman in the end zone, kind of like at the pot. I mean, that that that's that's good defense in a really tough situation to be in for a freshman. And he got beat on that one play, but I mean, that's what Keon Coleman is an NFL wide receiver, and that's what NF like NFL wide receivers make those type of plays. And so I'm not even mad at Damari for that. And I think considering the circumstances, it was still pretty good, you know, aggressive coverage on that. And uh, he Jadis- showed like, this is hot takey. And I do want to see how the speed plays out during his career. Like I, I let's see if Damari can get a little faster, but to me, he showed cornerback one potential. Yeah. I, I think he, I think he can be something like that. And he basically, kind of had to be it was kind of like thrust into that role or maybe i guess cornerback but i think you see the promise like you see yeah. all you see the ta- like the talent been there. playing him at nickel is what i'm saying yeah and like i think he kind of showed like yeah i can play on the outside yeah he definitely Obviously. can you yeah I, mean? I i think he can i i think he can and i think he could eventually it, I think it depends obviously how things kind of right. shake up Who and how they, they kind of add to the room right but i think demari brown's super talented and i thought he like from his juniors kind of senior year like that, I feel like he kind of took a, like some really, really major steps like in that kind of, you know, that, that, that space, maybe like that kind of fall to spring. I thought he really elevated his game and going into senior year. Like I think he does have, you know, cornerback one type of potential, but I, I, and I think that's just the importance of just stacking like quality cornerbacks. You got to add no, you got to throw numbers at that room because a lot of those guys uh, you know, you can you you add a few Damari Browns and suddenly your cornerback room's in a really good spot. But yeah, I think that was a really good, really good performance by both those guys. And um again, it's it's tough, man. That that was a tough matchup, and I think they handled it as well. I mean, Keon Coleman's 24 yards. I think that was the second least amount of yards he's had in a game uh all season. I think he had 23 against Virginia Tech. So I mean, what more can you ask for, right? I I, I yeah. thought it was I thought it was solid from him. Another thing that, well, one thing that frustrated me with the defense early on was 
uh, Florida State's second drive of the game. So they go, what? They get a first down on the first drive. Then they go, uh, they, they had to punt after that first down. Then the second drive starts. Um, they're on their own 45, so they have pretty good field position. Miami forces a third and eight on uh, their own 37-yard line. So we're we're in range of like a long field goal. It's third and eight, and there is a miscommunication. Well, I asked Lance Guidry about it on Monday, and he says what happened was they were trying to get the right personnel grouping on the field to match up and they didn't get the right call in. And essentially what happened was Florida State tight end Marquiston Douglas was left wide open down on the Florida State side of the field. No one was guarding him when the ball was snapped, and that play went for 18 yeah. yards. Now, number or 16 yards. Number one, Miami's lucky that that tight end was Marquiston Douglas because he is not – you know, the most athletic tight end. If it's, if that's like an athletic player, that's probably a touchdown on that play. But anyways, it converts a third and eight, uh, you know, and, and that was kind of a big momentum situation for the Florida state offense. They go down and score a touchdown. So that was frustrating for me to see. Um, and in general, you know, look, I think, and this is going to happen with when you're playing against quality opponents with really talented skill players. Sometimes the tackling's not going to be great. Sometimes the tackling angles aren't going to be great. But I still think the the effort was strong. I think overall they fought and they did a solid job at times, um, you know, battling when the ball was down on their own side of the field. So uh, Kiko Maui Noah has you know two and a half tackles for loss two sacks he's up to like something like 15 and a half tackles on the season yeah wesley for loss, right yeah uh wesley besaint three tackles for loss in the game i think he really flashed so uh i thought all I mean, like kj cloyd i think did a good job of like kind of blitzing off the edge a little bit too like i thought the linebackers had a, a solid game for the most part let's get out of here on special teams you know um good and bad I think if we're being fair, so, you know, Andy Borgales missed a 51 yard field goal in the first quarter. I think that's hard to laces out Dan. Right. That was on the operation. Yeah. Um, But again, it was a 51 yarder. So I don't know. That's tough to expect. Uh, But yes, the operation was not great. And then the other bad on special teams, of course, was that explosive Keon Coleman punt return, which, you know, there was two plays that really just kind of put the game out of reach for Miami. It was that Trey Benson run, uh, touchdown run, and that Keon Coleman explosive punt return that set Florida State up with the ball at, what, the 10-yard mm-hmm. line or so. So those two plays kind of put the game out of reach. On the flip side, you know, the onside yeah, kick recovery by Frank Latson was low key huge and impressive. Yeah. I think I, I I said it to like people that don't really care. Like I was watching when people weren't super invested in the game, but I was just like, if that's the only if that's if that's the only play Frank Latson makes in his Miami career, like it's good enough for me. It's like a big that play. That's I think that's definitely the biggest play he's made at Miami. And again, if that's the only thing he does from this point on, like that that was a really really big one. I think like I was just like that's huge that he kind of went up and. 
kind of like you know moss basically everyone got, to go uh, up and get it he got way up there to to get that he ball sniffed it out too like he did yeah. sniff it out he, he reacted to it very well yeah he reacted yeah. very well to it and that's because like that could be a because miami had just miami had 10 unanswered points florida state's kind of trying to cut that momentum miami gets the ball back and they don't get they don't score um but they're able to kick a field goal like they're able to get points out of that to go 13 unanswered points and you know i think it's just that was just kind of like a play that kept some momentum in miami's like right. going miami's way but overall look i mean in these in these tight games these rivalry games especially this game right uh special teams is a big deal and i don't think miami played bad on special teams but florida state won that battle i think that's fair to say that you know, both punters on both teams had strong days. Both yeah. guys had the same amount of punts and the same exact amount of yards. Seven for 343, which is a 49-yard average. Um, but look, that Keon Coleman punt return was a difference. Also to Xavier Restrepo not fielding the punt. Where would that have been? Like at the 12-ish yard line yeah. early on? And so that backed up Emery on his first mm-hmm. drive. Not ideal. Um, I do think that Master Mono is a stud. Like he's a he's a good total player. stud. He is yeah. better than Dylan Joyce. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but still, Dylan's numbers ended up being really good. Yeah. Um, I thought Joyce was good. Yeah, he got some bounces. He, he did definitely he got a, he got a big big bounce. Yeah, that gave him like an extra like I don't know it felt like 10, 15 yards maybe more. So, anyways, Miami's special team showing was average. I would say there was some good, there was some bad. Whereas Florida State's was just straight up good. And so, look, in these tight games, these one-score games, special teams matters. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't make this argument, but you could argue that was a diff- that was the difference in the game. There was much more differences in the game, but uh, that Keon Coleman punt return was huge. Anything else, Gabby, or should we uh, take a break and move on? Yeah, that, we, can, we can move on. How about this, the freshman? Miami, we haven't touched on this, but Miami started, what, five true freshmen? They yep. played others. Played six. That's encouraging, you know. Yeah. Um, that's the foundation of the program. You know, obviously, you want to win games rather than play a bunch of freshmen. Uh, but still, I think it is – I think it's encouraging that Miami played a competitive game that featured a ton of true freshmen, and Miami did not get pushed around by the number four team in the country. Yeah, I think that's a. I think that's it's big because, yeah, I, I think it just shows. I think the the way the game played out because I do think that there's a perception and, uh, and naturally, like right, Florida State's an undefeated number four ranked team in the country. Miami's a six six win team with four losses. Uh, yeah, I think that again, the natural perception is Florida State's a way better team than Miami, and they've played like a much much better team, and they are a better team. But I think that it's encouraging that when it was time to kind of settle it, when it was time to, you know, get on the field and actually play the game, you know, there it it was competitive. It was fully, totally competitive. And Miami kept the game competitive while kind of investing and playing some of those young guys. So, again, that's not like a moral victory thing, but I do think it's 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 a good sign that despite the fact that Miami leans and it's at key positions, right? Quarterback, running back, a right tackle, a cornerback. Um, you know, obviously Ruben Bain is asked, yeah, defensive line, Ruben Bain's being asked to a ton right now because of injuries and different things like that. So it's not just like Miami's playing guys at, you know, random spots or freshman wide receiver or whatever the case is. It's like, these are, these are, these are monumental spots, pieces, places 
And uh, Miami found a way to keep it competitive, extremely competitive, I think, despite that. So, again, I think that's just good in, you know, as far as, you know, looking ahead and thinking what these guys are going to look like. And, you know, like the next time they go to Tallahassee, those freshmen are going to be juniors. And, uh, you know, they're going to be in a spot where, you know, that game, I think the expectation is probably going to be a little bit different. So, um, you know, I think it's good that these guys are getting meaningful foundational reps in huge games and huge environments in, in against really good teams. So I think those things are just going to matter in the future as those guys continue to work and develop. All right, let's take a break. And then on the other side, we'll talk about quarterback this week against Louisville and answer some questions from the message board. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. a very bright shining light Sarajevo and they needed to kill that light from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2 U2 they represent a personification of our resistance the Hollywood reporter hails kiss the future moving and inspirational kiss the future viva Sarajevo kiss the future new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus go to Paramount Plus to try it free terms apply when you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. All right, we are back. Gabby, I was surprised when Mario Cristobal came out and announced that Tyler Van Dyke is starting and Shakari Brown is competing. But essentially, he came out and named the starting quarterback right this week against Louisville, who I think in the AP poll, they're a top 10 team. Um, so anyways, let's start here. Were you surprised, number one, by the announcement, number two, by the decision? I think, and I, I I honestly like it in this sense, in terms of the announcement, I think it's an effort to breed confidence into Tyler. Like, hey, you're our guy this week. We're going to rally around you. You're the guy. There's no questions about it this week. Go out and do your thing. So in that sense, I do appreciate that. Um, but I will admit, I was a little surprised that he came out and announced it and I was a little surprised that he didn't make it a quote unquote open competition. Yeah, I I definitely thought it was going to be just maybe like I I did feel like they were going to go back to Tyler. Like, I think it just kind of it's what I I would have predicted. Yeah, I think that's what I would have guessed was going to happen. I'm I I was surprised that it was just so openly kind of relayed that way. Um, But, you know, I. I just felt like that was just the direction they were going to go. I, I don't know. I feel like the with Jakari, I, I feel like it's become clear to this point that they're not really going that way or they don't want to or just don't plan to or whatever the case is. To me, I just felt like once Emery went down, I was like, 
I truthfully, um, and I don't like, I, I feel like Emery getting hurt, unfortunately, not like saying like, I, I, but I think that was the only path back to Tyler kind of being the quarterback again. Right. Like I, I think I agree. it was, I think it was going to be hard for Miami to pivot back to Tyler once yes. they made the decision to start Emery over, over Tyler. So I think that now that it's kind of like they had, they almost, I think they almost had to go back to Tyler. So I do from that sense, I agree that, you know, it was probably good to just make that clear, make that known so that Tyler's going into this week. Yeah. You got a top 10 team coming in, back in. Like, I mean, it's not, you're not right. playing like just a whatever you have game. an issue with it. I mean, I don't particularly have an issue with it just because I figured that this was just gonna, this is just the way that it was going to go. Like what I like but you to personally, see, do you have an issue with it? I mean, I would like to see, I, I, I just, I, I would like to see Jakari. I want to see what that looks like. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would like, I wish it was more of a, you know, we're going to see how this week kind of goes and you kind of elevate Jakari to a point where he's getting maybe more of these reps. Not saying he hasn't in the past. I don't know. Truthfully, David, maybe you would know better than me. But I think you kind of put he your heart in a situation. But last week he did. Last week he yeah. got second team reps. So in a situation where again in, in this week with there just being two scholarship quarterbacks available, you kind of throw him into some of those scenarios and situations and kind of see how he responds to it to see if he could be kind of prepared or ready to play in a game like this. Like I would like I would personally like to see that. Um, I don't know where it's we're gonna go from here, but I just feel like it's gonna be Tyler from this point on and. Um, I think if we see Jakari, it's going to be because we're seeing some of the Tyler Van Dyke that we've seen of in the past few weeks. And it's almost like we just have to kind of do something else. Um, yeah. But yeah. That's kind of my just where I'm at with it. Yeah. I mean, look, I that the job of the head coach is to manage the program, manage the team, push the right buttons. And look, I. I, I do. I have an appetite as well to see Jakari. But I, I do think it's fair to say, you know, that you can convince yourself if the Tyler Van Dyke that we saw in the first month of the season is the Tyler Van Dyke that we see on Saturday, that gives you by far the best chance to win. I think that's fair to say. Now, I am personally skeptical that we will see that Tyler on Saturday, but I am more than happy to be wrong about that. Um, you know... Again, I think Coach Cristobal came out and named Tyler on Monday to try and give him that confidence, uh, kind of take that off his back all week as he prepares for Louisville. And look, quite frankly, like we'll see how it plays out, you know, when Miami faces third and long situations and Louisville drops back into zone coverages. Are we going to see? a different Tyler Van Dyke on Saturday? Or are we going to see the Tyler Van Dyke we've seen in ACC play? I did find it interesting that Shannon Dawson, when he spoke with the media, he referenced the Jalen Milrow benching, the Alabama quarterback. Um, you know, Jalen Milrow got benched after, you know, a tough performance against Texas early in the season. He was benched the next week. Um, and then after just horrific uh, play by the backup God quarterbacks. God quarterback they play. put Jalen Milrow back in, but uh, Shannon Dawson tried to make some analogy in terms of like, oh, Jalen Milrow got benched, and look how it helped. He bounced back, and he's a better player now, et cetera, et cetera. So I've just, you know, and again, I'm nitpicking press conference stuff, which I don't know, who cares really? But 
I have two general issues with the with that point that Shannon Dawson tried to make. Like number one, benching Jalen Milrow was a panic decision by Alabama and, and straight up just the wrong move. Whereas benching Tyler was deserved. Like it was based on you know multiple performances that right. were not going. It wasn't well. just a one off performance by like a first year starter. Right. Number two, like. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but to me, Jalen Milrow isn't performing at a high level now because he was benched and now he's like hungry and learning from that benching. Uh, to me, Jalen Milrow's performing at a high level because Alabama finally started building its offense around his skill set since that benching. Uh, you know, is Miami now going to build a new different type of offense around Tyler Van Dyke? You know, to me, this offense is what it is with Tyler Van Dyke and Shannon Dawson uh, leading the charge. Shannon Dawson was hired because he was supposed to run an offense that would suit Tyler Van Dyke. But anyways, I just had I just felt like that comparison was interesting. Uh, But again, you know, I think I think you can make the case that a healthy, confident Tyler gives Miami the best chance at winning. But as I said, uh, I'm a little skeptical that that's the case right now for me, Gabby, I just in general have a hard time rationalizing the decision to give Emery Williams some spot starts and, you know, not giving Jakari Brown those similar opportunities. Uh, Number one, maybe this is just me and look, maybe I'm wrong, right? But I am just from what we've seen, whether it's Emery this year or Jakari last year, because that's the last time we've seen Jakari in a real game was the 2022 season. But I'm not convinced, honestly, that Emery is a better college quarterback than Jakari. Um, you know, look, we, we again, we went out and saw Jakari perform and lead Miami to a win last year against Georgia Tech. Um, we have proof that he can do it. And you can't convince me that he has regressed since then. So, you know, look, I went back and looked at the Georgia Tech, like advanced numbers from Pro Football Focus, Jakari's performance in that game, right? So just his his counting stats, Jakari went 14 of 19 for 136 and three touchdowns. He also ran for 87 yards. His passing grade from Pro Football Focus was 67.4. So nothing great. Um, he had zero big time throws, according to pro football focus. He also had zero turnover worthy plays. His average depth target was only 5.8 yards downfield. Um, Jakari was under pressure on eight of his dropbacks in that game. In those situations, he went three of four for 47 yards and one touchdown. He also did not get sacked in those eight pressures, uh, dropbacks he went zero for two on deep shots but he was four of four in the medium passing game which is targets from uh 10 to 19 yards past the line of scrimmage uh and two of his touchdowns came in those targets but i went back and looked at the personnel he was playing with in that game gabby this this might make you throw up in your mouth a little bit the offensive I'm line i'm already throwing up the offensive line in that game was left tackle John Campbell, who, you know, I think his competitive spirit is fair to question. Uh, 
left guard was Lawrence Seymour, who is a six foot one guard. The center was Ja'Kai Clark, who can't start right now at SMU. Uh, the right guard, Inez Cooper. So year over year, he's in that same role. And right tackle was DJ Scaife, who, you know, was a guard playing tackle at the college level. The running backs, Jalen Knighton, had his best game of the season in that Georgia Tech game, running for 118 yards and one touchdown. Knighton, in last year, never cracked more than 80 yards in any other game. So I wonder if Jakari had anything to do with that, with the run threat he brings to the field as a dual-threat quarterback. The other run, the other running backs that were receiving carries in that game or snaps was Lucia Stanley and Thad Franklin. Frank Ladson, Mr. Onside Kick Recover, was a starting receiver in the game. Um, and look, was Georgia Tech is you know last year were they a whatever opponent? Yeah, absolutely. They're not as good as what Emory faced with Clemson and Florida State this year. But I think you look at that game last year, Jakari was in a situation where he had to put the team on his back to go win, and he did that. Um, to me, that's that's you know just as valuable as like managing the game against a good team. So, you know, look, coming back to, to just giving Emory a shot, which I have no issue with. I don't have an issue with that. But I have trouble squaring like – why you give Emory a shot, especially just watching these performances and you don't give Jakari a shot. And you look at Emory's production in the first three quarters of these games against Clemson and Florida State, and the production just, it's not good enough. Like, we can make all these qualifiers about, like, true freshmen against good teams, but the production is the production. Clem Against Clemson through three quarters, Emory was 17 of 23 for 73 yards and one interception. Now, he did have a good fourth quarter, as we know, and he gets credit for that. Against Florida State, through three quarters, Emory was 6 of 15 for 81 yards and one touchdown. I guess just where I'm at is, look, I think for the future of the program, I think it's a disservice to not see what Jakari has got this year at some point. And I'm not even saying like against Louisville, because that that is what it is. I just think whether it's Temple or whether it's the bowl game, I hope they give Jakari a real shot to show what he can do. And look, I think in in some ways, Gabby, like there's an assumption within the program, and there are just rumors floating out there, whether it's social media or on the message board, that Jakari has already decided on transferring. And I could tell you on strong authority that that is just not the case. That is far from the case. I think Jakari wants to figure it out at Miami. I think he wants to play at Miami. But if you don't give him an opportunity, he's going to have to hit the portal, right? And so you got to go by the action of your coaches in that case. And if the action of the coaches tell you, yeah, we're just never going to give you a shot, then they're telling Jakari, you need to go transfer. So that's just kind of where I'm at. And look, I also think too, just like, what do you want to be as a program? I've said this before, but like, what do you want to be as a program? And if Mario Cristobal's like Mr. Recruiter guy, like he is, who's going to help you? Like who you're playing at quarterback and who the depth is at quarterback 
matters to recruits on offense. And I don't know how you sell the future off of these Emory Williams performances. That's just me. Um, so anyways, that's just where I'm at with ranting about how Jakari isn't getting any opportunities. I mean, I, I, I think it's all good points. Like these are all really good points. And yeah, I, I just don't know why, again, how do you justify not giving him a chance? Like, again, it's not like he's lighting up and doing these, like, you know, all freshmen, you know, rookie, whatever, like whatever it is, like, it's clear that it's not insane production. He's not coming out there throwing for three fifty and and two touchdowns or even like two fifty and a couple. You're saying you know, Emery? Yeah, I'm talking about Emery, yeah. and it's so it's just like why not just give him a chance? And again, I think just the way I read it, David. And again, this is just the way I read. Like it's not I'm not I'm not speaking for anyone or any or anything. Just the way it it just comes off to me is just. It just feels like they're not super interested in giving him an opportunity. And I hope that that's not I the agree. case. And I, I hope I hope that they do eventually give him a look. But to me, it's kind of like what you just talked about. What are your actions? What are the actions telling you? And to me, it seems like the actions are telling us. And you can say all the great, the great, all the things, all the nice things about Jakari that you want on a Monday in front of a microphone. And that's fine. And, I'm, I'm, you know, it's I'm sure that's that's great. But everything else you're doing suggests that he's not a part of your, your plans. And um, I don't know. It's frustrating. I just have a hard time, like big picture wise, when we're talking about quarterback evaluation, because in a weird way, it seems like, I don't even think this is the case, honestly, like in terms of the players and the way they're thinking, but it seems like they want to pit Emery against Jakari and be like, Oh, we have to pick one for the future and we have to pick it now. I honestly don't think it's at that point. Um, and if that is the case, like if that's how they're thinking about it and they're going in on Emery instead of Jakari, I have issues with their quarterback evaluation big time, like big picture wise, like take the names and the players out of the equation, just like quarterback, a quarterback B here's the traits. Here's what it looks like. I think that's a massive breakdown in quarterback evaluation for the future if that's what you're going to do. Yeah. It's, 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 it's confusing because I think again, look, this is, this is called, you don't it, have to build the, the perfect NFL prototype, prototypical quarterback. You need to find a guy with traits who's willing to develop. And it's just like what you're saying, like Jakari does want to figure it out here at Miami. Like, why aren't you kind of leaning into those traits and just seeing in a kid, it's like not even, and, and I look, there's a lot to, there's a lot of positives to take away about Emery and like, you know, his mentality is awesome. He's clearly a tough kid. He's yeah. definitely gritty. You know, right. I, I appreciated the way that he went out there and he kind of, you know, went sort of like, you know, balls to the wall to, to, to move the chains and to kind of find a way for this team to, to be, to be competitive in this game. But like you, and it, to me, it's just like that frustrating part of just like, okay, but like, is this, is this really, enough for you good to enough. just kind of yeah, is this good enough for you to just completely close the door on the alternative like on the other option and i'm not and, even saying jakari is gonna light it up yeah who knows maybe, right i maybe just think you gotta see it you gotta see it gotta and then a make a decision and look if he goes out and stinks it up i'll be the first one to say look it wasn't good enough just like i am with emory it's not good enough 
you know, Miami has to figure it out in the future if that's the case. Right. But I think it's a disservice to the program if you don't see what you got there. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. Let's get into some questions. Um, Tally Kane 10 asks, did the game against FSU do anything positively or negatively for recruiting? I feel like it showed the potential and progress of the team. So for me, Gabby, I'll let you get into this later, but, uh, or just more in depth, but just my first impression is, look, I don't think it provides any type of like substantial bump in terms of like, it doesn't help you in any significant way, but I do think you can sell it in terms of like, look, we're a young team. We just went toe to toe with the number four team in the country. We got a bunch of young guys playing. If you're good enough and you earn it, you can play right away in this type of big time game. If you come to Miami. Yeah. And I think that's the general direction that I was kind of going to go with it. It's just, I don't know if it's just, I don't know if you have recruits breaking down the door after something like that, but I do think that it matters, especially just within like in-state prospects and guys that you're battling out with Florida state. Uh, You know, you can look at these kids in the eyes and feel good about telling them like, I mean, you watched the game and, you know, did you see a significant difference? Like, did you feel like there was just a massive gap between the two programs? And look, oh, and by the way, we did it while playing young guys. And we did it with a backup quarterback, essentially. And so, you know, we're not far off from being, you know, from 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 potentially beating a team like Florida State or, or, or being in a situation where we can win those games. Uh, so you could come in here and be a part of that. And again, like, like kind of like what you're just saying, like you can come in here and if you work and you do all the right things, you're going to get an opportunity to get on the field and showcase your talents on, on the biggest stage as possible. Like, you know, the biggest stages that that will be on. And uh, again, I think that there's plenty of positives to show about the direction of the program and how, uh, you know, they're building it back up and the team's willing to compete. And obviously there's that year over year improvement. So I think if you're Miami, I think you can feel good about walking into, you know, talk or talk, discussing some of these, you know, tight recruitments, these battles and and showcasing, like, hey, we're we're right there. Like we're not as far off as people try to make it seem or that's maybe just believed on, you know, again, just that public, just that perception game. Uh, you know, we played a football game on the grass in the stadium and uh, we had a chance to tie the game, you know, late in the fourth quarter, you know, so. You, you tell me what the difference is, what big difference you see. And so I think, uh, you know, for Miami, I think there's things you can obviously hang your hat on, but I think overall, it's not like you finally, you know, have that missing puzzle piece of just like, Hey, this is how we get it done. Like, like it's, you know, all that type of stuff. So, yeah, I think that there's a way to, to positively build off of that performance, but I don't think it's just like the difference. Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later. And the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation. And Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way. Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers 
to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things. Text 305-393-7698 or email globalchoice underscore consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial. And let's take pride in our finances. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at Torres Lionel one, the number one at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises, your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. You ready asks, what's next at quarterback for Miami? How would you rate Mario's performance two years into his tenure? Do we finish with a top 15 recruiting class this year? So let's take it just one at a time. What's next at quarterback for Miami? I mean, to me, it's exploring all of your options. And that means the quarterbacks on the roster. And to me, it's the quarterbacks that, you know, potentially become available in the transfer portal and uh, seeing what's seeing what kind of emerges. Um, You know, the transfer portal is always uh, it's it's kind of the wild, wild west. And you really never know who's going to kind of jump in and who's going to kind of test those waters. And, uh, you know, we've seen people capitalize on transfer quarterbacks all the time. I mean, you look around the country, there's transfer quarterbacks left and right who are making great impacts, whether that be Michael Penix at Washington, Bo Nix at Oregon. Uh, I mean, again, eventually Travis. Jordan Travis at Florida State, the, you know, longer kind of slow burn there. But, you know, he'd be, he's already been there a few years. But Jordan Travis, uh, Caleb Williams at USC, uh, you know, you can kind of just keep on going. There, there, there's guys all over. Um, so I think it's definitely worth exploring and seeing what kind of becomes available in the transfer portal. And truthfully to me, I think that's the first place. That's the yeah. first place I go. That's I think that's, it's fair that's to my say, first next step. I think it's fair to say it's probably best for both parties for to part ways with Tyler Van Dyke. I think, you know, he still has a year of eligibility. He can hit the portal and find a, a situation that's best for him. And I think Miami can turn the page. Do you think that's unfair? No, I definitely don't think it's unfair. How would you rate Mario's performance two years into his tenure? Yeah, I mean, I'd give I it a know. B minus. I mean, yeah, look, I, I said B. My grade scale is a B. My one to ten scale is like a seven. So I don't know if that means the same, but that's about where I'm at. I mean, talent acquisition. He's definitely done a, a nice job. Mm-hmm. Uh, no complaints really for me there, other than nitpicky things. But in terms of just delivering results on the field, not quite where it needs to be yet. I think he would be the first to tell you that. Um, and, you know, five and seven, and let's see how this season ends up because uh, it's yet to be determined. But, um, you know, you, you you can't be underachieving in year three, I think is the best way to put it. So the talent acquisition with Mario, I think, is always going to be there. But... Year three can't be a year of underachieving, if that makes sense. Do you think that's fair? A hundred percent. Yeah. Like again, B right now for me, I think for all the reasons that you said, um, but I think this, you know, obviously year three is going to be a huge, huge one. I think that's when we can, you know, start really, really, you know, hammering in the, you know, at the end of the day, we need to see the results. And I think you get, 
you know, for these, the first year obviously is, you know, build up the program, recruit, all that stuff. This year it's, you know, I think you got to find a way to obviously finish the year strong. Uh, but I think in year three, it's going to be, you know, let's, let's start seeing some, start stacking these wins. Yeah, for sure. I agree. And then do we finish with a top 15 class in recruiting this year? So Miami right now is number 11. I mean, I'd be surprised if they fell out of the top 15. I honestly, just knowing how they operate, I would be surprised if Miami doesn't sneak into the top 10. Yeah, I, I think I would be stunned if it's not a top 15 class. And, you know, right now, I think it's if it could be a top 12, top 10 class. Like, I, I think that this could easily I think there's still a lot of meat on the bone. And again, I kind of keep going back to what they did in late November to December, because right. I think that's when they really turn it up. And we're already starting to see the college football landscape start to get a little bit wacky with, uh, you know, decommits from summer guys and flips and this and that. And I think it's just going to continue to progress as far as just the craziness of what this recruiting cycle ends up being over these next five or six weeks. So I'm not to me, what's maybe more important just this year, like in general, I am definitely a high school recruiting guy. Like I think I put more weight into that, but I think things are at right now where they're at. You got to win. Now you got to push for 10 wins. Like I'm saying, I am honestly much more interested in what they do in the portal. Yeah. So I think they will honestly land a top 10 recruiting class, but I think they have to crush it in the portal this off season to raise the program, both ceiling and floor top five portal class. What's the, what, what's I I honestly don't even know. Like if portal rankings are. Yeah. Where Cause it's tough to it's, be yet. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. I feel like that that's still I think that's still definitely a work in progress is just figuring out how to rank these yeah. portal guys. I'm but saying like impact wide impact receiver, transfers. Impact transfers, yeah. Impact D linemen. Yep. Impact safeties. Impact I'll, quarterback. Yes, sorry. Impact quarterback as well. So you know, that's a long list, honestly, but you gotta that's where things are at. Find a way. Space Kane three two one. What's your personal eval on Dawson? Shannon Dawson, the offensive coordinator. So for me, like, look, to me, if I'm being honest, like, I think he's like an above average guy. I like his offense in a big picture sense, but, you know, I, I don't really view him as anything special, special. Uh, to me, like the red zone production has been pretty meh. And, you know, look, the inability to reach Tyler Van Dyke on how to beat zones is, I don't know, like, at some point, it comes back to the coordinator, right? And uh, I'm honestly not convinced he's handling the quarterback room correctly, which I've already ranted about. So um, I also wish he would get Brashard more involved. I, I do see out there like an appetite for more tight end usage, and I get that. But honestly, like for where things are at with this year's team and the personnel, I agree with Shannon on that one. Like I don't – to me, this tight end group is, you know, I'd rather have Bouchard on the field than a tight end. So uh, that's just me. And look, um, I I do think things have really fallen off here because, you know, look, I think we saw in the first month, right? We saw Mario let Shannon run a wide open-ish offense. And against Georgia Tech, interceptions started happening. The next week, what was that? North Carolina. 
more interceptions happened, turnovers happened. And then I think, you know, the result of that was Mario just said, all right, we got to tighten things up because turnovers are killing us right now. And so Shannon had to tighten things up, which honestly I agree with as well. Like, I think you, you can't be turning the ball over a bunch of, a bunch of times and losing games by double, double digits. Um, so I don't know. To me, he's just like an above average coordinator, but I do big picture wise like his offense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you, I mean, that's all you, David. I mean, I know I'm not gonna, I, I, I'm not gonna pretend I'm like, you know, the biggest, uh, you know, coordinate. Like, I, I, I think he's, he obviously, I think the offense was just better early in the season and it's obviously drifted away from that. So how much of that falls on Shannon Dawson? I mean, I think right. it's definitely fair to say some of it, but, um, you know, I think what you said obviously brought up a, a ton of good points and things have clearly regressed in multiple ways. So, um, yeah, that's kind of just like my overall take. C. Groban asks, what coaches do you expect to move on? So I would say uh, keep an eye on like Joe Salavea, the defensive line coach. I'm just throwing this out there personally, like, I'm not saying I know anything, but I just wonder in general with a coach like Jason Taylor, who's, you know, a NFL great, doesn't necessarily need to do this. I mean, it's a grind being a college football coach, especially a college football coach on Mario Cristobal staff. So I'm just asking the question, does Jason Taylor want to do this again for another year? I don't know the answer to that, but I think that's a fair question to ask. Uh I also, Gabby, we've talked about this on previous podcasts, Lance Gidry with LSU's defense being so bad, I would assume LSU will make some sort of move at defensive coordinator this offseason. And I would assume Lance Gidry, a, a Louisiana native, would be on their short list. So those are the biggest ones to watch for me. But, you know, as we all know, like there is a domino effect with coaches leaving different programs, jo- different jobs opening up, you know, that we don't necessarily, that we can't project at this point in the month of November. But those would be the three just off the top of my head that, you know, I think are worth keeping an eye on. I wouldn't push back on either of those three. And even Jason Taylor, uh, you know, and again, this is just speaking generally. I'm not saying on any insight, but just how crazy this coaching carousel is. You never really know these things go. Uh, You know, he obviously has, we're talking about Gidry and a potential LSU opening, like, I mean, Jason Taylor and a potential LSU opening seems like there's something there too. I mean, his son plays football at, at LSU, obviously Mason Taylor, LSU's tight end. And I believe his, his old, his, I guess his daughter is also going to go to LSU too, to play. Uh, I think it's like beach volleyball or regular volleyball. I'm, I'm not sure exactly which one, but he's going to have two kids at LSU. Uh, so again, I'm not saying that he's going to do that, but again, I think these are just little things that are worth kind of keeping an eye on and, and watching for during the, the coaching carousel. Jane Cowboys asks, who do you expect to leave for the NFL draft? Who do you expect to return? Asking for your best guess on the following players. So he lists a bunch of players. I'll just go through them one one time, one at a time. It just, you know, share the best vibes I got at this point. And look, this yep. can all change. Like the season's not over. But this is just kind of how I view it. Leonard Taylor, I would assume, will go to the NFL draft. James Williams, I would assume, will go to the NFL draft. Cam Kitchens, I would assume, will go to the NFL draft. Francisco Maui Noah, I would assume he will uh, get feedback, but I kind of think he would 
come back. Would you agree no, with that, Gabby? We're on. We're in line so far. So I did Leonard Taylor, NFL, James Williams, NFL, Cam, NFL, and Kiko. I said he stays. Jalen Rivers. I, I don't know. I'm very interested in this one. Yeah. I. I, th- I think he's he going to go back. to the NFL. I think he's going to the NFL. Okay. Uh, Matt Lee. I think Miami's going to try like yes. mad to yes. keep him. I think he stays. I think he. Fi- I think they find a way to keep him. So I. I put stays for Matt Lee. Okay. Colby Young. I think stays. Like, yeah, of course. Yeah, duh. To me, that's an obvious one. Xavier Restrepo, like, plays college somewhere. <laughs> yeah, somewhere. Uh, Jacoby George, I think, has to come back too. Yeah, he's like, definitely gonna have to stay. I would add, like, one guy that one guy that Kane's Cowboy didn't uh, list was Javian Cohen. I think he's gone. Yeah, definitely. I think he's going to the NFL. So, really, the only one we kind of maybe. I don't know if I'm even that passionate about, but Jalen Rivers to me is an interesting one. Like to yeah. me, he's kind of like a Matt Lee type of one where it's like, maybe they can convince him to come back. I don't know. Maybe um, I could see. I, I could see it. Is there anyone else? I'm trying to think of anyone like in particular that stands out. Like, I think that's it. As far as like real, like NFL, yeah. like, like Elijah can't go. Elijah definitely can't go. Like I think about like Henry Parrish, like Parrish can't go. I don't think Ch- no. Cheney can't go. Um, That's think it. Quarterbacks. Yeah. Like Daryl's not going to go. Um, yeah. I think that's pretty much it from what I can kind of think of. All right. So we'll get out of here on that. Hopefully everyone appreciated that honest conversation about some opinions on players. Look, I'm not saying I'm right or wrong or whatever. That's just my opinions on things. And you can take them or leave them. And uh, I'm here for differing opinions as well. So I'm not acting like I have all the answers. But appreciate everyone for listening. And until next time, take care.